And uh, I know what I'm up against tonight. Uh, it's Friday night, and uh, uh, we're at 7 o'clock, so uh, my body generally is shutting down. And uh, I want to think no thoughts. But anyway, um, we're here, and we had a good time last night. And I want to just run over that in a few minutes uh, with all of you who are new here, what we did last night, just to give you a hint of what we did and get you on board. And for those of you who were here tonight, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to walk out in the audience and ask you, what was your takeaway last night? So start thinking right now. Um, again, I'm doing that so that you might help the guys who are new here tonight get a little flavor for what happened. But first of all, just thanks again to the leadership here, to church for having me in. Um, I appreciate the invitation. And uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for being warm to me. And uh, many of you have. Uh, when you're walking into a place where you're, you're, not, uh, you're the new guy, um, you kick up, pick up quickly, whether there's a warm hospitality and a welcome or not, and you guys have welcomed me, and I'm really grateful for that. So um, with that said, uh, let me just pray. Not just pray, let me pray. And uh, I don't know how you can just pray. I don't even know where that phrase comes from, but it's in our language. Uh, and invite, the, invite God to come again um, and be aware as we pray what it is that you're looking for tonight. What do you expect? Are you just here checking the box? Or are you here out of obligation? Or are you looking for something? Are you hoping for something? And Lord, with that said, <clears throat> we, we give you this time that We've already shared through worship and as we anticipate ministry time and, and what will be said from up here, what we'll say to one another. Uh, would you just infuse all of that, God? Um, I was talking with Michael beforehand, Lord, you know, and on the way up here I said, well, Lord, I've done my work. Um, and now you take the few loaves and fish that I've prepared and multiply it. Um, do what only you can do, and that is to speak to each one of these guys tonight. And let them in on what you're inviting them into, how you want to continue to grow them, where you want to encourage them and affirm them and cheer them on as men. And to that end, God, continue to bless us tonight. Help me to speak as I should. In Christ's name, amen. There was an outline that we had on the stools coming in, and uh, you're, you're all different learners. Um, I'm not a great note taker. Um, I've gotten worse in these latter years, but if, the, if you want an outline, you want a sense of where we're going, you want a structure, you want a framework, they're back there. But I'm going to take a moment just to run through quickly for those of you who weren't here last night. And how many, how many of you weren't here last night? Just give me a sense. So we've got eh, 15. Okay. So this is what we did last night. We began by looking at God's call to be an authentic man or a, a man. That's this terminology. And we looked at Micah 6.8, which said, God is looking for men to be fair and to be kind and to be humble leaders. That's a paraphrase of Micah 6.8, which says, Lord, what do you require of? Um, he is showing you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, that means be fair, and to love mercy, that means be kind and to walk humbly with your God. And so we started off with that. And then we talked about several obstacles that I'm not going to go through that are standing in our way in terms of becoming the men that we long to be. Secular influences and stuff external and internal 
And we ran through those. And then we talked about how God calls us to constantly be recalculating um, our lives, just like the GPS does when we go off course. They go like recalculating, and they, they correct the course and get you back on course toward Jesus. And so we talked about three ways that we get distracted. Some of us live out on, in continual boyhood, continual irresponsibility, continual playfulness, and never really step in and take responsibility that comes with adulthood. Some of us step into adult life as men and we're taken over by the building up of our career. And so that becomes an idol. And we go down that road. And we affirmed last night that work is really good. God was a worker. Nothing wrong with building a career, a good reputation, doing well for yourself, doing good work, but not making it an idol. And then we talked about um, the, the avenue that we go down and trying to cope with the obstacles and the issues that are a part of men's life that was called, you know, letting your appetites go wild. God gave us desires for food, for love, for success, and for recognition. But when we lose sight of Jesus, those things go out of bounds. And so we talked about how to, we need to recalculate our lives continually. That's normal. That's a normal experience in the life of the Christian man. And then finally, we wrapped up by saying, giving a definition of manhood. No, I'm sorry. We talked about, it's not in the notes, my mistake. We talked about how God calls us in Genesis 1 to be men who create and cultivate, who are constantly using the raw materials of this world that God has created to us and given us, given to us to be stewards of. How do we take that and we create out of that Things, goods, services that people need in order for their lives to thrive, both through our jobs and in our homes and in our church and in our community, and how we also cultivate environments for people to, uh, to thrive and to experience life more fully. And we ran through that theme, and I ended up by giving a definition of manhood that said, hey, look, Jesus is our model for what a man looks like. And when we look at Jesus, we saw that he reject passivity. He engaged. And when we look at Jesus, we saw that he accepted responsibility. He took the mission and the calling that God the Father gave him, and he ran it out in true obedience. And then in Jesus, we see a man who is willing to lead courageously. You know, one of, the big, one of the big problems with leadership across the board today, you see it every day in the news, you see it every day in the workplace, you see it sometimes in the home, is that there are leaders who have no nerve. Did you hear me? They have no nerve. They are afraid to lead. They're hedging all the time. And it's a rare thing to find a leader who goes forward with courage according to what Jesus has called him to do. And then finally, we talked about Jesus invested eternally. He didn't invest in the temporal stuff. He wasn't looking for, you know, the quick win in the career track. He wasn't looking for just <clears throat> settling for, you know, temporarily filling his life with cheap thrills or trying to, you know, um, use desires that God had given us to his own personal end but he invested with the, long, with the long view, eternal benefit, and, and made deposits that had lasting value. 
And then we went into prayer time. So that was a quick synopsis last night of what we did. But now I'm going to walk down just a minute and get out of the lights and take a look around the room. And, you know, we're the body of Christ. You all realize that, don't you? Well, that's an overwhelming response. <laughs> you just set the agenda for your pastors for the next uh, six, six months. We're the body of Christ, and God's Spirit is within each one of you. There are giftings within each one of you that help complete this evening. It's just not all about what the speaker's doing. There, there was activity through the Holy Spirit in each one of your lives last night. God was doing a work. He was talking to you. He was making a deposit in your life. And one of the things that we want to tap into before we move into the agenda tonight is to take inventory quickly what happened last night for you? And I want to call on the guys that were here, and I want to just ask a simple question. And the question is this. What was your one takeaway last night? What was the one thing that you felt like God said to you, this is where I want you to focus. This is what I want you to hold on to. This is how I want you to correct your course. And so we're not going to put every one of you on the spot. Sorry, I'm hanging right over the top of you. But... It is important for us to hear other voices tonight before we move forward. And so for the guys who were here last night, you got to give the guys who are new here tonight a little bit of the flavor of what we did and what God did, more importantly, last night. So I'm looking for you to call it out. All you have to do is, hey, this is the thing God said, pay attention to. Now, that may be risky for some of you. I'm not asking you to put yourself out there if you're not comfortable. But what I am asking you to do is share a little bit with your brothers because, you know, when they hear from you, I guarantee that what you're going to lift up is probably being experienced by 40% of the guys in the room. It's just always the case. That's one of my rules. When I feel something in a group, I always assume that half the group's feeling the same thing, but nobody has the courage to say anything, and so you feel like, oh, I'm the only one, and it's never the case. So what in the room last night happened to some of you guys that you said, you know what, I felt like the Lord said, hey, this is where I want you to focus in terms of your journey with me as a man, okay? So look, at it. I'm down here hanging out on the floor with you. You could really, it could be really quiet here for a minute. But what'd you, what'd, what were some of the things you experienced? Okay, that's a great phrase there. It'd be about his business as a man rather than your own. So there's a bit of a letting go of some old things in your life, some embracing the things that reflect Jesus a little bit more. Am I paraphrasing accurately? That's good? Great. Thanks for getting us started. It's got to be a first every time. Yeah. Good. So we talked last night about that recalculating, and what I said is it's normal. We're always recalculating. We are who we are. This is an imperfect world. We don't do life perfectly. Spirit's there to help us. So the Spirit's always pulling us back in, getting us back on track. And this was in what you experienced last night is the Lord saying, hey, some balance more between life, work, or play, work. I said rest, worship is good. So there was a sense of last night, God just kind of reprioritizing things, rebalancing things. That's great. It's great. So what I, I love that, that it, people who are creating and cultivating, not just, not just the artists, not just the pastors, but be aware wherever you are that that's uh, a calling, a vocation that all of us embrace, Right? to be creative in creating good stuff, good services, good products, uh, wherever we are, and to be cultivating environments where people can thrive. 
And that can be in the home, in the community, the church, and a workplace. That's good. A couple more. Yes. Yep. That's really good. That's a great word. It's actually teeing us up for tonight. We're saying the recalculation is not always a ruler across the wrist or the knuckles saying, what are you doing out there again, smack? You know, I lived a lot of my life there. And uh, God is a God who loves us, a good father who comes alongside and says, hey, you're drifting a bit, come back. You know, that is one of the main deals that the Holy Spirit's doing with us. That's why we have that gift. Isn't that right? So, you know, we're not looking just for the big, you know, healing or the big, uh, the big prophetic word on Sunday, and the rest of the week we don't hear from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's guiding us all the time. He's our counselor. He's helping us recalculate. It's good. So on the other hand, yes, please. So he's just saying, move, you know, we talked last night briefly, and by the way, you're teeing me up or uh, priming the pump for tonight. You know, this thing that we all know God loves us. I mean, we're in a church. It comes with walking through the door. You know, I can't be around in, uh, long before you hear that, but the deal is not only here, getting it here, it's getting it here. You really accept that love, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there again tonight because I have little confidence that one swing of the bat last night on that theme really drives the ball to where it needs to go. And uh, uh, it was a long journey for me, and I assume it's a long journey for you. Maybe one other guy. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, go ahead, and we'll, get, we'll come here too. So what does that mean for you in terms of where does that take you? Sonship is real. It's not a vocabulary. It's real. I'm just curious just to press that out a little further. Where does that take you then as a man of God? Confidence. Yeah, cool. Great. So there's a, you, you feel emboldened and, and filled with courage knowing that God's got your back and that he's got a plan and a calling and it builds confidence. And uh, we were talking a little bit about that last night. We're going to come back on that in a little bit different way tonight. Okay, so we talked that the first, let's just pause a moment. We were talking last night that the definition of manhood, the first thing was reject passivity, right? So what we just did here with you interacting with me is you got engaged. You're not just sitting there going like, we're passive, whatever you got, just pour it on us, you know. You're engaging, and that's actually what Michael was asking you to do earlier, to reject passivity as men in worship. Worship and praise and celebrate God like you do a goal in the uh, net. Uh, if you're watching hockey or, you know, we watch the Super Bowl uh, or football at any point in time, there are places where spontaneously our joy breaks out as men. It's all about rejecting passivity. And several of you who spoke up are going like, hey, leading create Okay, I can't even say the word. Courageously. Courageously. Got to hear it to say it. And so in some ways tonight, even doing this, we're engaging in our definition of manhood. All right. So um, thanks for doing that with me. I think it's a gift to the guys who are new here tonight to get a sense of what went on. And Ben was, uh, last night, Ben, I appreciated uh, who was leading worship talking about went on, what went on with his boys uh, and that was, that was uh, nice for him to share because it, uh, for those of you who are new, it gives you a sense of what happened last night. Um, for those of you who are here last night, it's still Friday night and we're walking in and we're tired. And we get involved again in what's going on. All right, one more question before I take the stage. I know I'm burning time here. But I said last night before I left, 
Think about what you're looking for. Come back with expectation. And so you're gonna, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you want tonight? What do you expect tonight? Connection with God and other men. What else are you expecting? You want to flip the switch from mind to heart. Okay. What do you want tonight? What do you desire? What are you hoping for? Be more Christ-like. Balance. Balance. We talked particularly yesterday about work, play, and rest. But you can apply that however God's leading you with that. What else are you looking for? Peace amongst chaos. Peace amongst chaos. What else are you looking for? Better being a creative communicator with my wife. Good creative communicator with your wife. It's a great goal. More healing. Be a better servant as a man. It's a good question. I was reading in Mark 6 today about Jesus going to his hometown and he didn't do anything. Nothing happened. Because people wrote him off as that's old Joe's boy and they didn't have any faith. And then I read on again in another instance where Jesus said, yeah, nothing's going to happen here because there's no faith. Because of their unbelief. Here's my challenge to you tonight. Reject passivity. Engage. What you've just lifted up, that's not my agenda to deliver to you. That's what you're asking the Lord to do tonight with you. That's between you and God, okay? He's going to get that done. But you have to engage. And you have to come and exercise faith. And you have to ask. And you have to, you need to press in. That's my challenge tonight. We do this last little bit. Okay? You good? All right. And if you don't know the answer to that question, what are you expecting? What do you want? If you would just hang on that question. If your takeaway tonight is all that you do is clarify a little more clearly what you desire in your heart in relation to God as a man, that'll be worth the whole evening. You know, throw out what I have to say and embrace that. Okay? All right. Okay, so I have to earn my, my keep. It's just a thing between pastors. And uh, so I, I, if you have your notes, I want to run through a couple of things with you. And I really want to hang out and revisit this issue of God's love. But let me back up onto that and say... Um, we cannot be the men we long to be until we completely understand that God sees us as an individual and loves us. I said that last night. I'm coming back to it tonight because before I get to, at the end of this talk, the four faces or four basic roles of what it means to be a man, we have to understand what motivates us in those roles. And so um, I want to have us read 1 John, uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. So 
do we have that on the Sky Bible? Yep, we do. Um, you can open your Bibles, check out your phones, but we got the Sky Bible here. Look up on the screens, and it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now let that sit there for a minute. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends or dear men, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, just in case you haven't heard this yet. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's a long passage, but what I want to say to you right out of the gate is this. Love and God are the two most difficult things for men to get straight in life. More often than not, the mess we create in our lives as men can be traced back to a failure or stupidity or a meanness in one of these two areas. Did you hear that? More often than not, and now I'm speaking to you as a pastor of over 30 years, and 30 years as a pastor, and you know, 60 years as a guy. More often than not, the mess we make in this world comes, can be traced to a failure or a stupidity or a meanness in either the God category or the love category. And the two go together. The most basic biblical conviction there is about the Christian faith is that if we want to deal with God in the right way, you have to learn to love in the right way. Did you hear me? If you want to deal with God in the right way, you got to deal with love in the right way. And conversely, if you want to love in the right way, you got to deal with God in the right way. Guys, God and love cannot be separated. And if we don't get these two things straight in our life, we are unable to reflect the image of God within us. We are dead in the water, and we fail as men. We fail. So those of us who are worried about what it means to be a man and 
the fear of failing as a man, let me just say, if you don't deal with God right and love rightly and keep those two things hooked up together, you're not going to get it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to thrive as a man. You might fool people for some of the time, but in the long run, your life as a man will amount to not much. Now, that's pretty straight talk. But I want us to think about that tonight, and I want us to consider what John is saying in 1 John 4 by looking at three points, okay? And the points are this. I want you to choose to recognize the source of love tonight. I also want you to choose to receive the gift of God's love. And then I want you to choose to share God's love. Three points. Here we go. Choose to recognize the source of God's love. God calls us to be men who love one another. Now, we heard that in the passage, right? The call to love one another. But have you ever stopped to consider the source of that love? Where that love comes from, where it generates from, how it, how it arrives into our life. So I want you to take a look at verse 7. It says there, dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Okay, now, you may be falling asleep at this point going like, I've heard this so many times in my life. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. Love comes from God. We've heard it a thousand times, but while we might know that love comes from God, as I said last night, have we, ever fu have we fully understood who God is? Who is God? Let me ask you a question. Who is God before creation? Have you ever thought about it? Who was God before creation? What was he doing? What was he up to? How did he spend his days? What was going on? I mean, the Bible starts in Genesis 1, and he's doing the creation thing. But who was God before creation? Have you ever considered that point? What was he doing? What was he all about? Most of us think of him as creator pretty quickly because that's where the Bible begins, with God in the role of creator. But Jesus tells us something else about God when he says this in John 17. He says, Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. Listen again. Jesus says, as he's praying for his disciples, Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. Listen. Before God ever created this world, before he created you, before he ever ruled this world, before he was ever the heavy, you know, big God, almighty, and all that stuff, he was a father loving his son. Why does that matter? Because it, if God is only a creator and the ruler of the world, what kind of salvation does he offer you that you'll buy? Follow me on this. If God is only a creator and rule, and I have a problem because I've broken the rules, what kind of salvation does he offer me? We already heard somebody in the back of the room saying, I'm, I heard that recalculation is God coming along and gently putting me on the track instead of coming and slapping me around to get back on the track. 
There are assumptions in that statement. And what I'm saying is if God is only the creator and ruler of the world, and you broke the rules, what kind of salvation can he offer you? I'm going to tell you that the only thing he can offer you is that he can forgive you for breaking the rules. But that doesn't solve it for us really fundamentally. Because if this is our relationship with God, and it is for so many of us as men, our relationship with him can be little better than your relationship with a traffic cop. Listen to me on this. I'll play this out. If, and this would never happen, Joshua, one of our finest caught me speeding on a Columbus roadway, I would be punished, right? I'd get a ticket. Are you with me? Or if, and this would never happen, he failed to spot me, because they always do, and I managed to shake him off after an exciting car chase, I would be relieved. But in either case, would I love the policeman? It's the same for those of us who see God as the divine policeman in our lives. If salvation only means me getting off the hook, getting the bill paid, having the debt, you know, the, the stuff pushed away, which God does, but if that's all it is, forgiving me my sins, for being a law-abiding, now allowing me to be a law-abiding citizen, then it's gratitude. It's gratitude, not love, that we offer. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad at all. It's not, a, it's not a this or that. But if that's all it is, we fail yet to come to this place where we love God and offer him our love. And that is the place we want to arrive. In other words, we can never love a God who is essentially a creator and a ruler in our lives. And I'll bet for most of you, you've never thought beyond that. And ironically, if that's where we get stuck as men, we can't fulfill the greatest commandment that there is, which is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. We've got a dilemma. So who is God in your life tonight? Who is he? I mean, is he the divine policeman just sitting around waiting for you to screw up? Really, ask yourself this question. Where do you go when you make a mistake? Where do you go when you fall back into sin? Where do you go when you feel that you've been less than the man that God has called you to? Is, do you see God is simply standing over you with a nightstick ready to whack you? Or do you identify with this God who is a life-giving Father? Who comes alongside and guides you back to the track that you need to be on. Now, now, hear me tonight. I'm not saying that there's not consequences for sin. There is. But the, the deeper question is, who is God in the midst of that work? Listen again to 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I think we know a lot about God as enforcer, as ruler, as creator. But I wonder about what we know of God right here in our hearts. Let me ask a question. How do you know God this evening? 
I'm glad he's a mentor. But I want you to drive deeper into the love of the Father for you. There's so much more. Close your eyes. Nobody's looking at you anyway. Close your eyes a minute. Let me try a little experiment. Listen to this scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's very popular. But I'm going to replace the word love with God and see how this feels when you hear this scripture with that little change. Pay attention to how it impacts you. Pay attention to how it changes your image of God, who God is, how you relate to him. Pay attention to how you experience these verses, okay? You're not going to report on it. Just listen to your soul. God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. God never ends. You can open your eyes. Maybe you've gotten this figured out. But I'll bet for a lot of you tonight, even if it's one, that you don't. And it took me a long while in my walk with Jesus to get to that place. You can't walk courageously into life, as you were sharing earlier. You can't do it unless you believe that it's the love of the Father that's got your back. That it's the love of the Father that you're standing on. That it's you that he sees. And no matter what you do, he loves you. That is what equates with freedom to be a man in a godly sense. Because short of that, you're going to pull back. You're going to be insecure here. You're going to be afraid here. You're going to be second-guessing there. You're going to be looking back here because you don't have the security of the Father's love in your life. And if you haven't figured that out, there are pockets in your life tonight where that's what's going on. And I don't care how well you dress up. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how, what other people see of you. That's what's going on in the soul. And the desire of the Father is to find freedom and security in his love for you. And we can't be the men we long to be until we have fully received the love of the Father. That's who he was before creation. That's who he was before the rules came. That's who he is today. That's who he is tonight. That's what he's offering you here and now. That's the big takeaway tonight. Now, choice number two. Obviously, receive the Father's love. Verses 9 and 10. Take a look at them. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's the goal. God wants to give us life. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And in other places in scripture, it says he loved us first before we loved him. But here it says, 
that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, here's how love gets expressed in real time and in a genuine way. Something of value is given. Something that is precious is offered. Something that costs you is given away. That's how love gets expressed. It's your time. It's something that's real, an item that's real personal and important to you. It's your money. It's your love. Listen to what God gave away for you. He gave you his son. Now, we got sons in the room tonight here. Fathers, you know what that means. He gave us the son. You know the story. And yet, there are so many people who have their doctrine lined up, so many men who have their doctrine lined up. They're serving in the church. They're here. They're trying to do the right thing, stay on the moral pathway, serve the church, and yet still haven't really embraced this kind of message, this deep the soul-transforming message, and it results in a life that continues to struggle with disappointment and frustration. It does. So, here's the test tonight for you. You do this in your mind, a little mental test in terms of, have I arrived at that place or have I not? Are you with me? You want to take the test? You take inventory of your life. Are you still concerned with creating an image of yourself that you think is acceptable? Are you still overly concerned about how people define you? Are you still overly concerned about having control over your life? Are you putting too much energy in the next achievement on the ladder of success? Are you still concerned about filling your need for love by your own efforts, your own devices? Guess what? If that's going on, that's a litmus test for the fact that you're not grounded enough yet in that Father's love because you're trying to fill that hole in some other way. And it's keeping you from being the man that you long to be. Now, I get it. We're all on a lifelong journey. None of us have arrived. But they are good questions. And they drive to the heart, have, have I embraced the love of God for my life? To move on in life, to move on in life as a man means that we have to trust God's love in deeper ways every day, every week, until the day we see him face to face. Listen to John 1 again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Gentlemen, I'm going to screw this into your foreheads this weekend <laughs> if I do nothing else. Before we did anything, feel that screwdriver turning? <laughs> before you did anything, before I did anything, God loved you. Before you tried to earn anything, God loved you. 
We don't qualify for love. We just receive it, and we just trust it. You know, I'm a grandparent. <clears throat> I've got uh, nine grandkids. I know I look 35. You look at this, you know, go like, hey, that's 35, man. There was nothing there for me. You don't encourage me as a 61-year-old guy. You know, <laughs> feed the illusion. Feed the illusion. I've now watched nine grandchildren enter into this world. And, you know, you pay attention at this stage of life a little bit more. I'm not knocking young uh, fatherhood at all. I was there. But there's something different as a grandfather. You just pay attention, I do, a little more closely. And I've noticed something about these little people who come into the world. The first thing I noticed is that they don't do anything. They just show up, and they expect everybody to serve them. They could care less about their performance in your eyes. It's the last thing on their mind. How am I looking? How am I doing? How am I performing? They could give a rip. They're not concerned about their image. They're not too concerned about what clothes they wear. They don't care if you get any rest. They don't care if they're an inconvenience. They don't care if they stink the room up. They don't earn anything. All it is is take, take, take. And, but I love those guys. <laughs> I love them. And I've noticed they just soak it up. They just soak it up. I think as men we can learn a lot from little people. Watching little people come into the world. Watching them not do a thing and yet soak in this love that's offered them. That's what God is asking us to do. It says in Ephesians 1.8, God has lavished. I love that word, lavished. His love and grace on us. Lavished. When has somebody lavished love on you? When has somebody lavished love on you? Extravagant love. Like, if you were down here and I had a bucket full of love here that was liquid and I, liquid, I just poured it all over you, just soaked you in it. When's the last time somebody's lavished love on you? What kind of a man are you today? Man ruled by the definition of success, or are you a man that's living in freedom? Living in freedom because you're convinced of the love of God that he has for you, that you're accepted and loved by God. Last October, I buried my dad. I suffered with Parkinson's for 20 years, and at the end of his life, I mean, his body just didn't work. I literally would pick him up, my father, and carry him into the bathroom to use the toilet, put him down on the toilet, clean him up afterwards. We put him in the shower, we wash him down. His body would tremble. Um, at his funeral, we looked at him when he was in the military in Korea. And he was a stud. Thick neck, young manhood, you know, full of life, smoking a pipe, up building runways for the Air Force in Alaska. On the adventure, he later became a civil engineer and then a city manager of a small town that I grew up in, was active in the church, was a leader in the church, and um, stayed married to my mother for 64 years. But I watched in these last years, 
the roles begin to be taken away. No longer engineering, no longer the city manager. Then because of his health, his outdoorsman activity began to shrink until he one day just handed me the rifle and said, I'm done. Handed his fishing pole to my another brother of mine and said, I'm done. I watched his involvement in church go down to nothing. And then I watched his life in the apartment get smaller and smaller and smaller until the biggest room, the, most, the room he was most concerned about being close to was the bathroom so he could make it. And he was sitting in a chair that would lift him up so he could stand. I watched the phone calls, the professional phone calls stop coming. I watched his capacity. <clears throat> Didn't expect this. I watched his capacity to be physical with my mom go away. But I also watched the vitality of his spirit continue to thrive when the vitality of his body diminished. Now, what was in that man? What was in him? He knew God loved him. He knew that everything that with everything else fading away in his life, he still stood firm in the God's love, secure, strong, vital, full of faith, full of vitality. What kind of man will you be when you are no longer valued for your productivity? What kind of man will you be when your strength fails? What kind of man will you be when you can't function with your wife. What kind of man will you be? John says that those who abide in the love of God, those who abide in the love of God, abide in God and find themselves at the end of life established in His love. Their identity is established in God's love and they know who they are in those closing days. They are established in God's love and they know that they continue to live in the strength of God. They are established in God's love because they are built in that love, and that brings comfort in those years. When the rest of the world no longer sees us, we will abide in God's love, and we will continue to be men. And so it says in verse 16, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Listen to this. Whoever lives in love lives, lives, lives in God and God in him. And that is the cornerstone of being a man. So receive it. Re embrace it. And then finally, share it. John says, complete God's love in you by giving it away. And we talked about this last night, and I'm going to wrap it up tonight, coming back to that theme. No one has seen God, it says in verse 12, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The love that John is speaking about here is, is a self-giving love. It's gift love, not need love. We have need love. It's okay. God gave us that. But this is a gift love that he's talking about. 
And John says, we are made complete. Hear that. We are made complete by sharing that love with others. John says, those who love give proof that God exists within them. That's how people know that you're the genuine deal as a follower of Christ, because you love well. And likewise, where there is an absence of love, you might be following all the rules, you might be able to recite the doctrine, you might be given full service as an usher or as a greeter or as a treasurer of a church or whatever, but God says, if there is an absence of love, you don't get it. There's an absence of God in you. So how do we share God's love? We come back to our definition of manhood. We reject passivity. And we choose to love people every day. We choose to engage in the sharing of love even when the people that we're dealing with are a pain in the patoot. We choose to engage in looking for what the Father is doing every day, as it says in John 5, and give love away. We accept responsibility. We answer the call every day to love others. We do the work. We fulfill the calling that God has for you. As we were talking earlier, wherever you are, right? Wherever you are, you accept the call as a man and live that out in the context that, it, that you um, are given. Even when it costs you, you take the responsibility on. Remember, we're following Jesus. It cost him his life. But he sacrificially continue to give love away as he was on mission with God. Lead courageously. It takes guts to love men, other men, when they're a fool. It takes guts to hang, hang in there with another guy who's acting like an idiot, who's a fool. It takes guts to love guys out of the mess that they've created. And if you're in a relationship with guys, sooner or later, somebody's going to step into the ditch. When they blow up their health, they blow up their home, they blow up their job, they blow up their friends, it takes courage to hang in there. It takes guts to hang in there and continue to love them. It takes courage to continue to point out the source of love when people ridicule us for our faith, harass us for our faith, reject us, reject our care, turn us away. It takes courage. And invest eternally. We get so enamored by immediate results in this country. Everything has got to be so instantaneous. We have so little patience. But we're called to invest eternally, to make love deposits every day that we live, every day we draw breath, even when we never see the fruit of the investment we make. So what does that look like? And I want to finish by giving four faces of men, and we'll go into ministry time. And I've gone a little bit long because we had our little chat at the beginning. But I want you to think about this. You may not buy into this, and I'm not saying this is a comprehensive list. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm going to give you four faces of men who are, who are expressing this definition of manhood and who are standing on the cornerstone of God's love in their, heart, in their souls. First is the face of the king. The face of the king. Now think about leadership here. Don't think about lording power over other people. Don't think about special treatment when we talk about king. Think about true leadership here, servant leadership. Think about setting a tone of leadership that reflects the humility of Christ. Think about 
defining how power gets used through the role that you have, the face that you have as a man in the king with the king face. The king creates order and provision for his people. He gives direction to his people. He articulates a vision, and people are looking for someone to give them the vision of where they need to be going. He leads with integrity. And the face of the king allows us to be a blessing to others. The king has strong convictions, courageous moral choices, a servant spirit, and righteous leadership. In essence, it's loving others by creating services and products, cultivating environments that we've talked about for the last two nights for the needs of people. It's loving others by loving them enough to speak the truth when things aren't right. A good example of the king face of the man in the Old Testament is Nathan, who walked into the King David's courtroom and confronted him with his sin. And conversely, ironically, another good face of the king is David himself, who was described as a man after God's own heart. Yes, he was flawed. But generally, he sought to lead a nation of people with good government, good order, and good services. He wasn't a dictator. But he wasn't a pushover. He led with integrity. That's the face of the king. Where is that face? Where is God calling you to display that face in your life? Think about it. The second face is the one that guys talk about most often. It's the face of the warrior. The warrior reflects a courageous energy. He takes initiative. He protects. He provides as well, and he perseveres. Now, the warrior face does not mean fighting for the sake of fighting. It's not beating your chest for the sake of proving that you can or to draw attention to yourself. He fights for what matters most. And his life is guided by a sacred mission and purpose. The face of the warrior. There is a mission to accomplish and it requires his active participation. This is the man who fights the good fight in faith. He is not abusive. He's not harsh. He's not that kind of a warrior. He's not a destroyer. Neither is he indecisive or passive. He doesn't give up easily. He perseveres. He isn't a wimp. In all things, he perceives what matters most, and he fights for that. Joshua is a great example in the Old Testament a warrior who led the people of Israel into Canaan and then fought the enemies that opposed his people so that his people could find a home and fulfill God's purpose in their life as God had promised. Now I'm going to talk to you about the one that's hardest for us. The face of a friend. This is the third face of a man. It's primarily associated with your relational capacity to connect with others. It's characterized by loyalty, accountability, encouragement, challenge, and fun. This is the face that is most unfamiliar for us as men. I said it last night, I'll say it again tonight. So many of us don't have friends strictly for friendship, for the sake of just hanging out being in relationship with another guy. Co-workers we have, people who do things for us, we do things for them, trade services, yes. Family members, yes, but friend, 
No, not for many of us. He learns to initiate, and that's the key word here. The face of the friend initiates genuine friendship. Remember the reject passivity? The friend face says, there's a guy I'd like to be in relationship with, and he pursues it. We understand pursuing a woman or a girl, a relationship there. We know very little about pursuing friendship with men. But this is a face God calls us to. We need genuine friendships because we need companions to carry our burdens with us and to celebrate with us the great moments of our lives. Listen, you can't climb the mountain of manhood and reach the pinnacles if you're disconnected with other guys. I don't believe it can happen. That's the face of the friend. Where is God showing you where you wear the face of a friend with another man? Proverbs 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and, is a, brother, and a brother is born for adversity. He hangs with you. Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Here's the deal. Friends require time. You can't spell, you can't do relationship without investment of time. Friends require that we be real. Now, if we don't respect the boundaries, by the way, of this relationship, you can get some guy who's too dependent hanging on you. I'm not talking about that. But if you go the other direction, you can become a loner. And both are a drag. Jonathan, in the Old Testament, offered friendship to David. And he is a great example of what we're talking about in terms of male friendship in the Bible. Think about Jesus with Lazarus. He weeps at Lazarus' death because he was his friend. That's the face of the friend. And lastly, the face of lover. There is love in our lives. We understand that, particularly with the other gender. But this face of a man is far more than that sort of sensual expression. The face of the lover is the face that helps keep the king, the warrior, and the friend in the realm of humanity in not being abusive. He keeps all the other faces humane. This is the face that probably most effectively expresses our spirituality in the, the voice of our soul, the longing of our soul. This is the face that is a source of longing to be better men. It's in that realm. It knows the language of our soul. It knows the language of our dreams. It knows the language of our deals. The face of the lover is one that recalls the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. It's the one that keeps all the other masculine energies humane, loving, and relating to one another. And if you don't have the face of the lover in your life, this is what results. Men become brutal. Men become callous. Men become cruel. Men become heartless. You get it. The face of the lover is the one that brings harmony to the other faces. It's the face that enjoys life, plays in life, celebrates life, embraces life to the full. Jesus said, I came that you might have life into the full. Here we find the artist, but we also find the grandfather with a twinkle in his eye. Here we find the husband who dances and romances his wife. 
Here we find the father who delights in his children and mentors their, their lives. Here we find the one who celebrates the growth and development of their kids and who brings about the release of the image of God in their life. Think about Barnabas giving John Mark a second chance in the New Testament. And yes, think about the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament. This appropriately lays here. Which of these faces do you wear? Which of these faces are you even aware of? Where is God tonight asking you to say, you need to learn to develop that face in your life and journey as a manhood? Why don't you stand? This took a little while to unpack tonight. It's a lot of talking. Appreciate your patience. But we're going to come for some ministry time. And I want to again offer the opportunity for anybody who says, out of last night's call, if there's still more healing that needs to be done of a place where you've been a victim of violence in your life, if there's still a place in your life where you feel dull, listless, depressed, I want you to come forward for prayer and, and continue to ask for a prayer of healing. So often God's work goes over a, se a series of prayers in our lives. And in a moment, I want to have you come forward and, and can let the, the Spirit of God continue to do work. But tonight I want you to think about these four faces and I want you to think about the definition of manhood too. Reject passivity. Um, accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Invest eternally. Where do you feel God's going like, here's an area out of those four faces or that definition that I want you to develop more? And that's not something that you necessarily have to come forward for prayer for tonight. You're welcome to do that, but you could do what we did last night, and I want to encourage that again tonight. Find somebody, turn to them and say, this is where I think God put his finger on me tonight. This is where I think God's invitation was for me tonight. And so we're going to do that in a moment. The last thing I want to do in terms of inviting you to come forward is if you go like, I think I need to release more of my heart to God's love. I want you up front to receive prayer for that. I think by your walking forward for prayer, it demonstrates to God that you really are opening yourself up for more of his love to get poured in your life, for you to be established as a man on that cornerstone, which is the sure foundation of what it means to be a man and the way forward. And if you have any other requests tonight, anything else that you'd like to ask for prayer for healing, I'd like to have you come forward for prayer too. So for those first, that first and third call, if that's you tonight, just come forward right now. Just come walking forward. Stephen, can I just throw something? Yeah. Just to add to what Stephen was saying, I, just, I felt like there's some men here tonight uh, that you've been belittled and I saw, like, um, I don't know if you're boys or teens, but I just saw someone just kept pushing your head down, and you try to look up, and they push Good. your head down, and I just felt like there's, Good. you know, as you're taking this in, it's like it's hitting, it's hitting this barrier. You know, you're trying to take this in, but it's hitting a barrier, and I just 
feel like there's some men that, you know, that belittling that you received, it's getting in the way and God wants to yeah. heal that. It, you know, Paul writes in Galatians 5, verse 1, it's for freedom that you've been set free. And following up what Michael's saying, that's an invitation to be set free. That's an invitation to say, I've got to break that out of my life and I want to enter into freedom that you offer Christ. Come forward for prayer. Um, and we're just going to pause a moment. I think uh, sometimes we just have to be quiet to hear the voice of God, what he's doing. And I do hear something. I heard it on the drive up. I heard it in the comment made here about courage. I think some of you are dealing with things that you're trying to muster up the courage to do. Um, in any direction. But you don't feel like you have the strength to do it. You don't feel like you have the courage to do it. Fear might push you down. Uncertainty might be pushing you down. Insecurity might be pushing you down. But if you're looking to have somebody bless you with more courage tonight to pursue this journey into manhood in a fuller way, I want you to come forward. And I underline this because it's been all over me tonight, that, that piece. So I know it applies to at least one person in this room. You might be facing a challenging situation. It might be a battle within, facing something deep. But God wants to give you courage. And there are things that scare me in this world. If you're facing that, tonight's an invitation to have God bless that and empower you. You get that? I'm just going to hang out a minute here. Once again, say, that piece, and I think there's some relationship between what Michael's saying. It might be standing up to a bully. It might be standing up to the past. That belittling piece. Courage. I want to invite you forward. good. It takes guts to step up. It does. You're demonstrating the very thing God wants to give you. You're just embracing it. God bless you. Yep. Yep. Come on, guys. Just bring it up. This is as safe as it gets in an environment. You walk up here, you're already accepting the invitation. It's great. It's good. And I say that to the young men in the room, too. If you're facing something that just takes courage, come on up and get prayer. There's some men here that want to speak that into your life as you're following Christ. It's good. So we need some guys to pray up front. Come on forward. That's great. We need some guys to pray. Um, we don't want these guys to be standing here now. They make it here this far. They need brothers alongside. They need, they need guys to stand with them now. So some of you need to come and pray. That's it. Come on up. It's great.
We got some guys down here. We need, we need some guys to just bless them. And what's going to happen for the rest of the room here is the same thing that has happened last night. God brought you here so that he might bless your life. We need a couple more prayers up here. Down here. That's it. So what's going to happen is this. You're going to pray for these guys, and then they're going to turn around and pray for you once you're done praying for them. But for the rest of you, I want you to find a guy in the room, and we're going to do what we did last night. And you simply say to another guy in the room, hey, this is what I'm taking away tonight. This is God's invitation for me tonight. Could you bless me with prayer? So find somebody in the room to pair up with or get together or twos or three. This is a rare opportunity to be in a room full of men, no responsibilities. It's Friday night. We're going to be done in a short while. But to be encouraged and to underline what God's doing in your life tonight by saying it to somebody else and getting prayer. So find somebody to get with and offer prayer to them, okay? Pair on up. Pair on up. It doesn't have to take long. You don't have to tell your life story. Just say, hey, this is what I got from tonight. This is what I'm taking away. JT, oh, Ben, right? Ben's up here. I'm going to just play some music. Let's just, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to do your work. We're available. I pray for everyone who's offering prayer tonight that you would enter in and you would guide the prayer from the presenting issue down into whatever else you want to do up front and out here. And just pray blessing, release blessing. I pray freedom. Pray freedom on the room here to really tap into what God was doing tonight. And I pray your power, God. Take us to the place tonight through prayer that only you can take us to far beyond our capabilities. Take, take us to a new place as men. Take us to a deeper place in your love. Take us to new territory in our journey with you where we're living in more freedom, more fullness of life, more secure in who you are as our loving Father. Take us there, God. We pray, take us there. Holy Spirit, just come and release that blessing. power in men standing shoulder to shoulder. Lord, put power on these prayers. Put power on these prayers of men speaking into other men's lives. Again, if somebody's prayed for you up front and you've done that prayer, then pray for the one who prayed for you.
still praying. If you're still praying, finish the prayer. But I have an invitation for the young men in the room. I have an invitation for the young men in the room. I want you to come up here and stand before this area right here before me. If you're a young guy in the room, maybe waiting for your dad, I want you to come and stand right here. 
I want to gather the young men forward. Young men, all the young guys in the room. Come and stand right here. They're starting to come. We've got some more in the room. Come on forward. And men, I want you to come up and stand around them. You're involved in this. You're an active participant. All the young men, I want you standing right here. Come on in. Hey, guys, young men, come in closer here. There you go. Get the young men up here. And gentlemen, all the rest of you in the room, come on forward. Press in here. You're the men of the church. These are the young men of the church. They're watching you guys. They're listening to you guys. It's a good thing. Men, gather in. Come on, gather in. We want to end with a worship song. We'll get there. Men of VCDC, if you were to speak a blessing, let's put our attention on these young men a minute. If you were to speak a blessing, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to speak it out to these young men right here, how would you bless them as young men? What would you encourage them? Just a phrase, we don't need a paragraph. What would you say? Start speaking it out so they can hear it. One at a time, listen to one another. What would you do? What would you pour, want to pour into these young men's lives tonight? The truth and identity of Christ. Guys, I want, boys, I want you to open your hands. You've come this way. Open your hands so you can receive this. It's like, oh, I want to receive this. With these men, these Christian men have to say, I want to receive it. I want to soak it in. That you would receive the identity and love of Christ. What else? Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. We bless that on you. Find a mentor. Be a mentor. Find a mentor. And that could be somebody in addition to your dad. That's okay. And be a mentor to somebody younger. What else? God loves you. God loves you. Soak it in. God thinks you guys are great. Smiles every time he sees you, young men. Goes like, look at these guys. I made these guys. These guys are the greatest thing around. It's crazy about you guys. Loves you. Perfectly made. Perfectly designed. You're unique. And you have the image of God in you, men. Young men.